Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Let me tell you today, the most poignant cry that day was the cry of the cross. It was the cry of Jesus to humanity. And what he wanted them to see says, listen, don't cry for me, cry for yourselves and your children. In other words, you've got a bigger problem, sin, and I am dealing with it. But you need to weep for your own problem. You need to cry for your own difficulties, but I'm paying the price for them. But they were so distraught of what was happening to Jesus. Some of us, I don't know, many of you, a few years ago, a film came out called The Passion of Christ. But you under you saw that. Many people went to see The Passion of Christ, done by Mel Gibson, a Hollywood-style film that kind of presented this whole sacrifice. And I remember going to the cinema just in Cambridge here, and going into this film, and everyone, when they left, it was like no one spoke. No one wanted to buy food when they were in there because this was a film that was completely different. In fact, if you watch the film, it's so heart-rendering because it presents the whole scene of this sacrifice in such a detailed manner that you don't want to eat anything. You don't want to do anything other than respond with tears. I remember walking down East Road and crying and being amongst people and no one knew what to say to each other. No one knew how to respond. This wasn't a film that you would normally go to see at the cinema. And do you know what? I really believe that Jesus, as good as Mel Gibson put that film together, as good as the effects were to show the details of the sacrifice, I don't believe that Jesus died on the cross so that we can have a good Hollywood film. And we could see the details of what he did. Because I'm telling you, no matter who it is who who creates a film, we'll never put together what happened that day. And Jesus doesn't want us, 2,000 years later, as much as there's nothing wrong with watching that film to remember, he doesn't want us to just see this day today as a day that we just watch a film and think, look at what he did, the details of what he did. Because let me tell you, Jesus died for you, but he didn't die so that you could keep watching a film years later and just crying over it. He died to pay a price for your sin. Do you know what? After Peter preached his first sermon, this is the one, you know, who rejected Jesus, who, who kind of, you know, he didn't stand up, he denied him. And he, when he preached his first sermon in the book of Acts, this is what he says. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. He says this, that when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Peter never spent time dwelling on the details of the cross. He never spent time dwelling on the details to get people sorrowful. But what he did is he spoke to the situation, the heart of it. And the heart is sin. And Jesus was crying back out to people that day. There was a cry from the cross. There was a cry from the cross that was greater than any wailing. He said, don't weep. Don't cry. There's a greater cry. And do you know what? That cry, what's amazing is this, that the cry has echoed through the centuries. It's echoed through the years. And the cry is here right now today. It resounds back into this room today. The cross of Calvary. Why did Jesus cry out that day? Why did the cross cry out? The title is the cry of the cross or 
the final cry. Number one today, I want to bring just a few points of who Jesus was dying for that day. Who was the cross for? You see, I believe that those women, when they were crying and wailing, they were thinking, what on earth is going wrong? What is happening? This is criminal. This is wrong. This should not be happening. They'd been around Jesus. They'd spent time with him. They'd seen amazing miracles. They'd seen great things. They must have been saying, what on earth is going wrong? This is all falling apart. The first thing I want to say today is that Jesus died for strangers. What do I mean by that? Do you know that some people... I believe, get into their minds that because Jesus died all those years ago and, and, and it's written in the Bible and it's in a certain place that's thousands of miles away from here, that it's not relevant to you. That in Cambridge today or whatever village you live in, surrounding villages, nations, wherever you come from, you question, well, it happened there, is it really for me? The first thing I want to say is this, I find it very interesting that Simon the Cyrene, he says he came from Cyrene. Do you know where that is? That's the north tip of Africa. It's nearly 900 miles from Jerusalem. And he finds himself in Jerusalem that day. I believe he would have been traveling at that time. There were Jewish people who traveled across to Jerusalem for Passover. So he was traveling all that way. And he arrives there. Wouldn't you feel a little bit hard done to if you'd just done a 900 mile trek and you haven't come by EasyJet for 29 pounds Plus, bag, plus baggage. And you arrive in Jerusalem. And the first thing that happens is as you come and you spectate. You've heard the news about this Jesus. You're wondering is this the one who's been prophesied about. And you arrive there in Jerusalem. And you get there and you're there to spectate. Thinking well I'm going to see for myself. Is this the one? Is this this, this Messiah that I've been reading about? I've, and, and he must have been really really tired. 900 miles is a long way. And he arrives there, distant land. He comes, he's not from that scene or that territory. And he arrives and, oh dear, he's the one who has to carry the cross. You see, I believe Jesus wants to say to us today, is no matter how far away you are in the world today, not only physically and geographically, but also spiritually in your lives, however far you've got away from God, the message of the cross cries out to you today and it calls you to repentance. It calls out to every single person in the world. There's no one exempt. The cross cries out to everyone. And Simon must have arrived and he becomes part of the scene. He carries this cross behind Jesus. All the way he's traveled 900 miles. There were people who probably only traveled just a few meters. But yet 900 miles he comes. Listen, the message of the cross is for everyone. The message of the cross is for wherever you are in your lives. No matter how far you are away from him, it reaches you today. No matter where you're from in the world, it reaches you today. The sacrifice goes the distance. The blood speaks a better word. Amen. It speaks a better word. And you know, in this nation at this time, I was... We were watching the, the news, I saw on the news yesterday that in this nation now, that already people are starting to, chocolate manufacturers are starting to remove Easter from their eggs. The word Easter. You know, we see it at Christmas, but now they're saying that we're going to remove the word Easter from the eggs. Listen, you can take Easter from the chocolate egg, 
But the blood still speaks a better word. It will not be removed. You cannot remove the power of the cross. You can take it off the manufacturing, off the package, so that people become estranged to know about the cross. What, what happens is here is that people become so estranged that they don't understand what Easter's about. It's so distant. But let me tell you, no matter what people do today, the power of the cross still speaks through. You cannot remove it. It speaks a better word. No matter how far you are away. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's far away in our sin. And some of us today, we're so far away that Jesus is like a foreigner to us. We're saying, it's just I'm just not sure whether church, I'm just not sure whether Jesus is for me. Is this really my scene? Listen, Jesus cries out to you today and says, it's for you. No matter how far you feel, no matter what has got in the way in sin, no matter what is the block in your life, Jesus says that the blood will reach the distance. Some of us today may be here and we're remembering what Jesus did, but actually, deep down we're saying, you know, I feel so guilty of sin. I don't feel worthy to be here. I don't feel worthy to even celebrate or even thank him this morning. To thank him, that means I can't do that. I need to get right first. Jesus did not ask us to get right first. He said, believe in me. What did we read earlier in Romans chapter 3? Those who believe in Jesus, they enter into the new covenant. They enter into this new way. All he wants us to do is believe in his son. That he died on the cross for us. In John chapter 1 verse 11 to 12. He, Jesus, came to that which was his own. But his own did not receive him. Yet to all. So in other words, he came to that which was his own. He came to his own people. God's people in that land. But it says that they didn't receive him. But verse 12. Yet to all. That's the world. All. Who did receive him. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. In other words, he says, I came and some of my own people, the ones in the Bible, the ones in the vicinity, the ones who hadn't traveled 900 miles, some of those did not receive this. But do you know what? It's not just for them. It's for all the world. All the world. You're sat here maybe today saying, do you know... I'm coming here just to celebrate Easter, the message to you this morning. The Holy Spirit is here to remind you and to tell you that Jesus died for your sins. That he reaches that deepest part in your heart that no other place can touch. And he knows us from the inside out. No matter how much we try to hide, no matter how distant we are, he knows us. Number two today, Jesus died for sinners. He died for sinners. Some of us saying, well, I, I'm a good person. I meet lots of people. And I said, you know, Jesus died for sin. And they say, well, I'm a good person. I've done this. I've done that. I was out the other night on the streets meeting lots of people, chatting to them. And many people said, I'm a good person. I do lots of good things. Well, good for you. So do I. But the Bible says that we all fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short of the glory of God. You can list me 10,000 things that you do right, but there'll be one that you do wrong. 
You can never fulfill the righteousness of God. You see, the Ten Commandments were put there so that we, it would present and reveal how sinful we are. And it would draw us to the, um, and um, it, it would be like a magnet to the cross, this new covenant, because it reveals our sin. We read earlier in Luke 23, verse 39, it says this, One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself, and does. But the other criminal rebuked him. Listen, that criminal that day was hurling insults. Right there beside him on the cross were two men. They were criminals. They deserved to be there. Did you know that as you read in the scriptures, it says that the people, God's people, were demanding that Barabbas would be the one who set free. He should have been on that cross. He should have been in the middle, three criminals. And many of us look today and we say, we, we look at the cross and we say, if I was the juror, if I was looking at this whole scene, I would see that Jesus was a good man. Even one of the criminals said, this man's done nothing wrong. So you'd look at the scene and you'd say, if I'm a juror, I'm going to decide that that person is innocent. He shouldn't be here. Just a few weeks ago, we, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone, but we watched a program, a, a, a program on TV. I recommend watching it if you're into these kind of things. It's called Making a Murderer. When I heard that, I thought that sounds a bit dodgy. Making a Murderer. Someone said, you need to watch this. It's a gripping documentary. So we started watching. I'm not normally into these kind of things. I've not got much time to watch stuff, but I watched the first episode. It's on Netflix if you want to watch it. But I watched this first episode and then I started to watch the second one. And Emma was asleep at the time, so I watched the third one. And I got so gripped into this, this documentary that was about someone who was seemingly falsely accused of something he didn't do. And I was so wrapped into this program, I said the next day, Emma, you've got to watch this program with me. So the next night, she joins me, but I have to wait till she watches three programs to catch up. Then we got there. There were ten, I think, ten programs in total, and we watched this whole program. But the whole reason why we were gripped is because we were seeing a justice system that appeared to be corrupt. And you felt so sorry for the man who was falsely accused. Evidence after evidence would come seemingly showing that this man was, you know, he'd done nothing wrong. But yet he was still getting accused going to trial. I'm not going to tell you what happens in the end. Because it will spoil it even if you're watching it. But the truth is this, it gripped me. It gripped me because I watched. They were effectively making a murder out of someone. They were developing their case against him. That day, Jesus was the very same thing for him. The people around were making him a murderer. They were making him to be a criminal. They were making him to be someone he wasn't. And Jesus took it all. All he had to do was step down and say, listen, I'm not who I said I am. Okay, let's stop the whole thing. But he still went through because he had to do what he had to do to pay the price for us. But let me tell you something today. As a juror, you would look at those three crosses. And if I ask you today as Christians, believers or not, you may say this. You may look and say, I know that Jesus is innocent. We know he was perfect in every way. But I'm going to tell you something today. Jesus was equal to all of them. The reason why is this, because God made him... Allowed sin to come upon Jesus. 
The Bible says this, 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteous of God. In other words, you might say, yes, he's free. But that day Jesus not only died on the cross, but he became a sinner for us. He took sin. He became sin. He took it upon him even though he'd done nothing wrong. And we could look saying, well, you know, he was innocent. And yes, he was. But the truth is this. He became sin for you. He took the weight of everything. He, he, he was represented that day as though he had sinned. And that's why God the Father turned his face. Today God has presented his son and put sin upon him for you and for me so that we can be free. He died for sinners. You might be saying, I'm not a sinner. I don't feel like I've done anything wrong. And we can cry and we can sit, look at the cross and just cry and say, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it in, in pity for God, pity for Jesus. But Jesus said to the women, don't weep for me, weep for yourselves. Because listen to me, the cross of Calvary calls for repentance. It calls us to repent, to ask him for his forgiveness because he prayed, paid the price. One of the criminals observed Jesus and said, I can understand that you have effectively become like one of us. You're on the cross and you're dying for the sin, for sins. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He remember, he realized what Jesus was doing. He realized that Jesus was who he said he was. But he also realized that he was prepared to become like them. To take sin upon his shoulders. I want to ask you today, maybe you're saying, well, the Romans put the nails into his hands. They, They put the crown of thorns upon his head. They put the nails into his feet. That's nothing to do with me. I wash my hands of this. This is That was something that happened 2,000 years ago. Listen, the message of the cross is this, that every one of us have put, drove the nails into his body. When he was being persecuted, every one of us have done that because of our sin. Our sin has caused that to happen. And today he's saying, I've done it for you. I've died for sinners. The cry of the cross to you today is for sinners. And finally, Jesus died for skeptics. Some people who I meet sometimes, I only met one yesterday, and this gentleman, I met him and I got chatting to him and talking to him about God. And as I talked to him about God and he gave me his views, he was very skeptical. And I eventually um, got to pray with this gentleman. And uh, He said to me, I said, listen, he told me some things that had happened in his life. He said, I used to kind of believe a little bit, but he said, I'm so skeptical of God now that I have totally lost my faith in him. And so I asked him what the problem was and we talked through those things. And then I said, listen, do you have any, do you suffer with any pain? And I ended up praying with this young man. And right there and then God touched him powerfully. And he was healed till the pain completely left his body. He was so shocked. He said, I was skeptical before this. He says, but now I'm not. He goes, honestly, I was skeptical before you did this. I said, listen, Jesus loves you so much. No matter how much you are skeptical against him, no matter how much you have put this framework of belief system or you've totally abandoned him, he does not abandon you. Because the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. In other words, he cannot change his view against you. 
You can change your view 500 a million times against him. But he does not change. No matter what you say against him, he cannot change. His love for us is abounding. His love for us just flows from the throne of grace. And today he says to us, no matter what you say, no matter what things you don't believe in, I believe in you. And I'm sorry, but that is the deal. Jesus believes in you whether you believe in him. The question is, will you believe him? You know, skeptics, they demand a sign. They demand a sign. They always demand that comfortable sign. And I've met many people. I met several more skeptics just a few nights ago who were saying to me, I need a sign to see it. Some of them actually got one through God's grace. Some people saw a sign that night, I'll tell you. They saw it. Thank God he did that for them. But listen, not always is he going to produce a sign. The soldiers came up and mocked him, it says. And they offered him wine vinegar and said this. If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. They were putting a sign above his head. And they already put king of the Jews. But then they were trying to say, if you really are who you say you are, save yourself and us, said the criminals. But they said, if you really are who you say you are, prove it. You see, Jesus, if he'd have saved himself, he could have not saved anyone. If Jesus would have done what they asked him to do for the sign and said, okay, I'm going to show you now, I'm going to command the angels to come down, release me from the cross, and everything's going to be over, and you're going to see how amazing I am, and that I am the Son of God. I can just speak one word, and my Father will send the angels, and I'll be down there with you, and you will see this. No, he doesn't do that, because the moment he would have saved himself, he couldn't have saved you. He couldn't have saved anyone. So today... However skeptical you are, whatever sign you demand from him, let me tell you something. Some people ask for signs. They ask for miracles, signs and wonders. Let me see this to believe. Do you know the greatest sign that is above every sign or any miracle is the sign of the cross? That he came down from heaven, the darling of heaven, crucified for us, came to earth. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He came down for you and for me. The greatest sign is this. And some don't see it. They look. They can't see through the fog. They can't see through the the, the smoke. And they, they are so blind to see that he has sent the greatest sign through humanity to us. But some of us want these simple signs. Comfortable signs. Show me this and then I'll believe. But Jesus died for the skeptics. That guy who was healed yesterday of pain had a smashed kneecap with metal pins through his leg. He'd smashed the whole of his kneecap, got metal rods running through his knee, and it was seized and he could barely bend it. By the end of it, he was jumping up and down, downstairs, in the room, saying that his, his leg feels completely springy and flexible, and it hasn't felt like that in a long time. He was doing every single squat and movement that you could do, and he couldn't find the pain. This is someone who'd got a smashed kneecap several minutes before was telling me that he didn't believe. He was skeptical. And he kept saying to me, I must say, it is feeling completely pain-free. I was skeptical before. He died for the skeptics. He will heal the skeptics. He will touch the skeptics. He loves the skeptics. And so should we. When, when I meet people and they say, I'm skeptical, I'm atheist, I say, I love talking to you. 
Because Jesus died for you. The sign of the cross, it demands a response today, amen? As I come to close, it demands that response from us. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. If the worship team want to make their way back, we're going to come around the communion table just shortly, but in 1 Corinthians 1, 18, Paul said this, For the message of the cross is foolishness. In other words, it's crazy. The message of the cross is total foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, that's the believers, who are being saved, it is the power of God. What did he say? He says, the message of the cross, the message of the cross that they're trying to get rid of the Easter eggs. It's foolishness. It makes no sense. It's distant old stories. No, 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 no. To us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Do you know that what they're trying to remove off the Easter eggs is the power of God? It's the message of the cross. It's better than any chocolate egg you're ever going to get. You know, I like chocolate eggs. I got Two for three pound yesterday, even though we're trying to cut down at the moment. You know, they were just so tempting. Thankfully, they said Easter eggs. But do you know what? You can eat the best eggs. The best chocolate. Who knows, in ten years' time, you may not even see the word Easter in your shops. But whatever they remove, however distant and strange the cross becomes, it still has power. You can't remove the power. No one can. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who have been saved, it is the power of God. It demands a response. Do you know something I want to just say today is that the cross of Calvary, it was offensive. It was an offensive sign. That's why the skeptics don't want to look at it. It was an offensive sign through humanity to us today. Through the years, it's offensive and it causes us to respond How you respond is your choice. But I know I respond today and say, do you know what? The cross isn't foolishness to me. The cry of the cross reaches my heart. It's the cross that saved me, that Jesus paid his price for and saved me. And I accepted him. In 2002, I gave my life to Jesus. He set me free from sin. And today I'm free living in him. Let's stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.